have mattered, because Carthy, Williams, and Douglas would sooner invite the Archangel of Death into their offices than defend a drug dealer. So I simply said that my hands were tied, which was true. I did not have the power to change the rules of the firm. She rose, shook my hand, and crept from my office in tears and humiliation. Hours after she left, the image of her lingered. I stared at the chair where she had been, willing her back. For two days, I couldn't do a thing at the office. At last, I called her, telling her I would see what I could do. The truth is I would have moved heaven and earth to see her again. It was work selling the idea to the firm. By meticulous design, Carthy Williams and Douglas was as far away from legal aid as it was possible to get. But in spite of this, I made an appointment with founding partner Frank Carthy. Carthy was seventy years old and had come up when pro bono work was a part of every big firm's responsibility. I knew the second I told him I had hit a nerve. For a while, I was actually worried he would volunteer to try it with me. I went to meet Calise the next morning, which required a trip to the inner recesses of the Fulton County Jail. I followed a wordless guard to a nondescript room with two metal chairs and a long table. Calise came in a couple of minutes later, and it took me no time at all to dislike him. Still in his early twenties, he already had the insolent, blank stare of the small-time thug. Getting a straight story out of him was impossible, his ability to lie having already become effortless. He looked right at me, expressionless, and said, No, la policia put los drogas in the car. I never take los drogas. Bad for you. I stay away. Horseshit, I thought, which wasn't strictly the point. The real question was why his car had been pulled over in the first place, and why, after a brief but unfriendly conversation, the back seat of his car had been removed, disassembled, and his trunk thoroughly searched. Bad attitudes didn't void the Constitution. Pitting the word of Miguel Caliz against the Atlanta police would not be a walk in the park, except I met the arresting officers later that afternoon, and they were exactly as Caliz described. That was the moment I knew for certain that Caliz would walk, whether or not he was guilty. The two policemen were a couple of mean-spirited assholes who couldn't keep their dispositions off their faces. If I put together a jury with the right disposition... Just looking at these officers would be all it would take to spring Calise. None of that explained what happened, how I took his girlfriend to dinner, how for three or four hours the conversation drifted easily into areas she knew nothing about. Law school, the summer I had backpacked across Europe, how the cost of a really good bottle of wine wasn't something to compare with other, lesser things. In fact, I knew very little of these matters, but she had watched me with those shining dark eyes, which was enough. The word seduction implies a victim, and there is too much confusion about what happened next to assign the word here. Certainly I found myself wondering what it would be like to lose myself in her beauty, to see myself in her dark, shining eyes, and after a few hours I invited her home. I fumbled the invitation a little, but she didn't seem to notice still telling myself we were only going to talk to spend some time together. 
but inside my apartment she brushed against me, bringing her breasts against my chest, and I pulled her to me, determined to treat her like the angel I wanted her to be. My sin was not lust. My sin was the sin of Satan, who wanted to be like God. I wanted to be the savior of the earthbound Violetta Ramirez, and I wanted her to worship me for doing it. The next morning there was a rustle of sheets beside me, her exquisitely feminine scent creeping over me as I woke, making me dizzy. She sighed deeply and turned over, her light brown backside coming up against my hip. I closed my eyes and felt something like euphoria, only deeper, earthier. We didn't speak much before she left. She dressed and slipped away gracefully, without imposition or demand. She left me with my task, in other words, to get Miguel Caliz out of jail. If nothing else, I owed her that. And after what had just happened, I owed him that. I had to buy him clothes. I paid for them myself, probably out of a sense of penance. I knew I had crossed an ethical line, although lately the lines were moving so quickly that I wasn't sure where they were. I only knew one thing for certain, that winning was the most ethical thing of all. I met Calise at the jail to give him the suit, and he accepted it without a word. I waited for him to dress to go over his testimony. He looked good, but not slick, which was the idea. I didn't want the jurors to know I had dressed him, so the suit I bought was cheapish, nothing too stylish. Ten minutes into the trial, I realized it didn't matter. I had planned carefully, ready to cite the most cutting-edge legal opinions on constitutional law, from search and seizure to racial profiling. I never had the chance. Everyone in the courtroom was spellbound as they watched the police officer on the stand blowing up, his face covered with ill-concealed loathing for all things brown in the inner city of Atlanta. The jury, there had never been a question in my mind whether or not to ask for a jury, was more than half Latino, and they were hating him back with a combined hundred years or so of built-up resentment. It took less than an hour for the jury to acquit. There was some satisfaction in that, I suppose. I had to take satisfaction where I could get it, because I didn't get any from Calise. He didn't shake my hand when he heard the verdict. Instead, he turned and looked at Violetta, who was sitting quietly behind the two of us, which was the moment I began to wonder who was driving the train I was on. I did not yet understand the chasm between normal and criminal thinking. To Calise, it didn't matter whether or not Violetta had sacrificed herself to get him the kind of legal expertise he could never afford on his own. It only mattered that he was the kind of angry young man who beats the woman in his life. If she had seduced me on his orders, maybe he just suspected that she had enjoyed herself too much. I never found out. I only know that two days after I got him out of jail, he beat her to death. I learned what happened when I was served witness papers in the middle of a lunch with clients at 103 West, a trendy and expensive restaurant in Buckhead. I smiled apologetically for the intrusion, set down my glass of Pinot Noir, and read the handful of lines that were to blow up my world. Calise's lawyer this time was cheap. I had never heard of the firm, 
but not so cheap that he didn't know there was sympathy for his client in the fact that I had just slept with his girlfriend, so my deposition would be required. Some weeks later I put my hand on a Bible and swore that my name was Jack Hammond, and these were my sins. But a judge isn't a priest, and he didn't offer any penance. I would have to find that on my own. He did, however, use the word reprehensible in his admonishment to me before I was excused. That word was powerful enough for the firm of Carthy, Williams, and Douglas. They did not desire to have a person who committed that word in their employment. The tawdriness of what happened to the girl was not a positive reflection on the firm, and I was on the street. It means nothing at all to me that Miguel Caliz will spend the next several decades in a federal penitentiary. Locking up Caliz did nothing to restrict the memory of Violetta Ramirez. That memory continues to haunt me, both in daylight and dark. The complete overthrow of my principles. That was what I had done, and here I make confession for the benefit of my soul. But even as I confess, I know that the scar remains. Until I make this one thing right in my life, I will have no peace. My eyes were closed, and I was remembering. The venerable Judson Spence, professor of law, was repeating his ceaseless plea, beating into our young, idealistic heads his most fervent bit of advice. Avoid criminal law like the plague. It is one of the principles of life.